<laughs> One second and we'll all be here. We'll get the video playing and everything. Hi, everybody. Hello, Mark. Mark. Mark Westcott here with Juanita Maiden again. How are you, Juanita? Hi, I'm well. How are you, Mark? Where are you, Mark? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I'm at a petrol station somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I had meetings in Brisbane and I sort of got waylaid and uh, I could see I wasn't going to make it back home in time. So I pulled up, refueled, and, uh, and I'm parked here beside the um, petrol bowser. Well, not quite beside the petrol bowser. But anyway, we're... Uh, well, we we're never alive. know where you're going to pop up. Well, that's right. The main thing is that we do pop up and that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the important thing. But the most exciting thing, today for anyone who's watching is that uh, Juanita has absolutely no idea what we're going to talk about today. So that is true, viewers. That is true. <laughs> but I am going to say that I actually have written a list here on my iPhone uh, for us to talk about. So uh, I was going to talk, uh, I just thought, uh, Juanita, what I'd cover off on today was um, last week I went out and spoke at a, uh, uh, a succession planning day at Gundawindi. And, uh, and I thought, look, while it was topical, fresh in mind and all that sort of stuff, I'd just cover off on some of the things that, that came up, I guess, when mm. I was giving the presentation out there. And, the, it, you know, there's nothing surer than what, what got reinforced um, during the, the workshop. There's 35 people there, all very engaged, and it was, uh, it was a lot of really good feedback in regard to the topics that we covered with a solicitor there, the accountant, and so on. And, and that is that the four four really big issues that affect uh, most rural people certainly are the issues of uh, the lack of communication. There you go, that word again, the lack of communication. It's taken uh, us two minutes and we've already said communication. <laughs> yeah, two minutes and nine seconds and we're into communication. <laughs> yeah, communication is the, the biggest issue between the generations. Um, mm. Conflict, and, and that was raised, uh, interestingly raised, and I'm sorry my camera's squabbling around here a bit. Uh, it was raised in... Um, in regard to a, a, a couple of the mums came up and spoke to me afterwards and one of them actually phoned the other day and said, uh, you know, one of the issues, Mark, because I'm going out again next Tuesday, one of the issues is that, uh, you know, the anger issues with dad towards uh, the kids coming through. In other words, you, you know, there's, um, you know, rather than being conciliatory sort of teaching kids how to come through, um, it, it was interesting. There was this kind of conflict because... You know, fathers not knowing how to how to teach, how to get frustrated. You know, they're getting frustrated with frustrated. their kids. Mm. Yeah, frustrated with the kids coming through, and and that's leading to uh, conflict between the generations. Mm. So the kids are having fallouts with dad. Um, look, the perennial one uh, after communication is protection of prosperity. What I call it, and that is uh, putting asset protection around the wealth of the family. Uh, Though I got reprimanded for always referring to the daughter-in-law in, in my examples, and yet I didn't. I did say sons-in-law and daughters-in-law are in the good, same Good, good. I'm glad they pulled you off. <laughs> well, un, un, uh, without due reason, actually, because I had referred to a son-in-law as well. But <laughs> but certainly, you know, protecting the prosperity through the generations. And uh, there were a few people there that had three, four children, and uh, you could see the paranoia around... Uh, uh, I don't know if people are more aware of the fact that uh, divorce is more prevalent these days and uh, and they can see their wealth, you know, 
setting up the window. And the fourth thing, and I'll bring up a fourth thing, and we'll let's just talk about that to start with, is uh, the fourth issue was people were really confused around how much it was going to cost, how long it was going to take, and uh, the level of complexity in regard to getting it all sorted. And and uh, you might remember last week, I think, Juanita, we talked about, uh, you know, we have a process where we focus on getting things done within 90 days. But also it challenged me to think about how long does it actually take for the clients, you know, how much of their involvement is needed in the process. And I reckon it's only around about four to five hours of their time is all that I need uh, for them to invest it in their time to uh, to get the job done. So tell us, now that you've had absolutely no warning on our topics, conflict, <laughs> communication, protecting wealth and the, you know, the time, cost and complexity. So... Mm. I've, I've done enough talking. You can't hear me very well, so I'll let you talk now. Yeah, well, I'd probably start on the last one first, um, the complexity, because it reminded me of an appointment I had uh, last week with a client. And it's not the first time I've heard this, but at the end of the, the appointment, he said, well, that was easier than I thought it was going to be. And I suppose, um, well, that's great feedback because yeah. that's how we want to make it for um, for the client. So. I think um, the the complexity is a barrier that doesn't need to be there, and with a good advisor, um, the the a good advisor will make it not complex. Will make it easy for you and a, and an easier process than you than you expect. So I really I just urge anyone if they're concerned that it's all too hard or they don't understand then that's, that shouldn't be a barrier because a good a good advisor will help you through that and, and make that process so much easier. Can I just cut in there, Juanita, if I may, for a second? It's not just the advisor, is it? It's having a process to go through, and I think that's what, mm. um, for a lot of people, it's sort of done on an ad hoc basis. Mm. Uh, there are some advisors out there that like to drag this out over years and years and have monthly family meetings and and so on, which just tends to drag the whole process out for, for an inordinate amount of time. Mm. And not having a, I think if people could show the clients or people a, a structured process in regard to how it's all going to work, mm. folk, tell them what the timeframes are going to be and so on, it, it would, people, people are scared of what they're committing to, I think, with uh, succession and estate planning. Sorry yeah, that. and I, I suppose the process comes back to, as you said, the concern about the time because uh, certainly one of the things that we would discuss at an initial consultation is each step in the way and what to expect and what the timeframes will be uh, and what action is required and by who. So um, that's certainly something that should be laid out right from the start. And, you know, there's no, there's no um, one-size-fits-all but uh, there should certainly be clarity right from the start of your estate planning process as to each step and, and the time frame for doing that. So, again, I, I suppose it comes back, oh, goodness, communication. Communication and, good, and a good <laughs> advisor, again, can um, take, remove that obstacle from the process of time. And I suppose similarly, um, finishing off that, that sort of fourth point you spoke about, time, cost and complexity, um, in that sort of very outset of the process, you should also be clear about the cost. So if you if you are beginning this process with an advisor, don't be afraid to ask what is the time frame, you know, what is the cost, uh, and what is the process? Because as as a um, a client, you certainly have the right um, and 
should be given that information. Uh, often, um, you know, we, we, for example, would give clients some different options um, that they could choose, different packages and what we might recommend to them, but each will come with a different um, a different price pricing level and then it's up to them to decide. So the power is, is with the client. We're not um, forcing them into a corner. So um, I, I guess to summarise that, you know, right from the start, uh, you can expect from your a good advisor, if you have one, clarity on the price, on the timeframes and on the process. And that should just really remove that whole um, mental barrier around uh, around price and, and length of time and complexity. Yeah, look, absolutely. And these days what I do is I think it's important to, to mention that all up front when, um, you know, when people first have a conversation with us is to, yes. to be clear and understand. And I mean, the, the the cost of, of the uh, an ideal outcome for them I mean it's cost it's value it's not a not really a cost when you look at mm. when you look at the value you're creating by saving squabbles and, and contested wills and so on I mean it's a, yes it's actually more of an investment than it is a cost on any any level but I mean I think once one question I ask people now is I just say well look how many how many children are involved uh, you know what What's the structure look like, and, and basically at the end of the day, what is the uh, you know the overall size of your estate? Because different levels of complexity are caused by different, I guess, amounts of um, value in regard to the uh, the estate. Give people a, an estimate of whether it's going to cost them ten thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars or five thousand dollars, whatever. Uh, mm. And um, sorry, someone's trying to ring me. <laughs> On the phone, um, yeah. If, if you can, uh, if you can help people understand what their investment's going to be to get this sorted, and uh, and give them a time frame, absolutely. Yep, yep. That's that's right. So clarity right from the start. Um, it now just it other... just shouldn't shouldn't be an obstacle. And you do what you don't want is a client getting a a nasty invoice at the end of the process and and having them falling off their seat. So uh, that's certainly something that should be. Um, set from the out right from the beginning of the process as i've said um openness transparency clarity and letting you as a client um choose what's right for you yeah one of the one of the good things that you do at murdoch's Juanita, is uh everyone gets three options when they uh when no. you know when you guys are sitting down with the clients in regard to the cost from from the uh the wills and the state planning yeah. point of view is give them three different levels basically and say well okay how much uh how much protection do you want around your assets? What sort of levels of protection in your testamentary trust, and so on? And people have no confusion, and uh, and I like the way that you know you you tell them well up front what it's going to cost them, and they mm. don't get any um, they don't get any bills that are different to that. Yeah, at, and at the end of the day, because at different stages in your life, something might suit you, uh, you know, at a different level, and it can be revised um, uh, later. And I and I guess the question to be asked right from the start is what is what are you trying to achieve? What is your goal? And, you know, as I've, as I've already said, one size doesn't fit all. So knowing where you want to end up and what your main concerns and issues are for your family can assist uh, your advisor, assist us into um, giving you some options which suit your set of circumstances. Absolutely. Look, one of the other things that uh, came up, and it's, it's come up a few times lately, uh, one farm, four kids. Uh, <laughs> And um, conundrum. <laughs> that's a conundrum. That's right, or or two farms, five kids, or something like yeah. that. But um, and that came up again last week as well. So, you know, work I've done with uh, you guys, your firm, 
in the past with, with Tom and so on as well is uh, where we've set up situations where, let's say there's one farm and three kids, just to make life simple, um, and only one child can take over the farm. And for most, in, in a lot of cases, uh, Juanita, there's no off-farm assets. So kind of the whole wealth of the family mm. is tied up in the family farm. Um, it's not as simple as just saying, well, okay, let's just sell the farm and divide it by three because traditionally one of the one of the siblings has, has been on the farm for a number of years, has worked their, their backside off and in effect own a portion of the farm because of their mm. they've been paid nothing for all those years that they've been working and so on. So there's a commitment to that that child anyway. But, but the issue is, okay, how do we set it up so that one, there's fairness as much as it practically can be without putting a noose around the, the neck of the, the kid that ends up on the farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and how do you stagger some sort of, not equality, but, but fairness and contribution to maybe the other two children who aren't ending up with the property? Um, that, that's probably question one. And, and second point to remember, I just want to throw in too, is that uh, for a lot of these kids, like their parents before them, they're just going to hand the farm on. So it's not like you've given someone a $10 million, you know, gift or a $5 million or a $15 million gift. It's not like they can just go cash it in and, and uh, you know, go live on the Gold Coast. They're actually being handed a lifestyle, which they're the custodians for, for the next mm. generation. And and whilst it may seem that one child's getting a whole lot of money, truth is they're just, they're just being gifted a lifestyle, and uh, which isn't necessarily... Um, lucrative or, or profitable. So do you want to talk about the sorts of things you do when uh, uh, one person ends up, one of the kids ends up with the farm and one ends up, uh, sorry, the other two have to be paid off over a number of years? What, what yeah, well, strategies yeah, you guys use? Yeah, and as you said, it's it's sort of important straight up to realise it's not a, a big fat gift of, um, you know, X million dollars to one child. You also need to think about um, the debt that's attached to that, uh, any sort of CGT consequences that may carry with that property down the track. Uh, we've, you know, we've often had discussions where some clients think that two or their children could potentially work together on the farm, but we, uh, I think, Mark, you'd, you'd probably agree no, that that doesn't usually work. Don't even start the conversation and on that one. That's right, and you bind your children into situations which... Um, they, you know, that, that it, in our experience doesn't usually end up well. Um, so you don't want to do that. I, I guess a couple of things um, you, we can consider in that situation is, you know, you said many in many uh, situations there's not many off-farm assets, but there's super and life insurance as well. So outside your normal estate assets, there's things that can be done um, with your super and your life insurance to perhaps look after the, the children that, uh, that aren't taking over the farm. And there's also, uh, uh, I guess, mechanisms we can put in place which allows the, the child that takes, the, or that's gifted the farm, for example, to um, repay or to pay uh, a certain amount of money to the, the child or children that aren't taking the farm over a period of time. But that, that comes with some... Um, substantial consideration also because you don't want to burden uh you know that that child that has the farm uh to such an extent that they can't uh operate their business and earn something from it and you know enjoy their lifestyle so there is a balance to be had um so that's sort of the the discussions we would have with a family in that situation 
Yeah, and look, I'm I'm actually going to use an example. No one knows who this is, so I can I can just use it as an example. But I mean, I've got a, a, a client right now where they've got a farm, nothing else, no no off farm investments of any level. Five kids. Uh, one of them's going to get the farm because dad wants the farm to stay in the in the family. And that this is a this is actually a good example of where the child that's getting the farm isn't getting a check. That they're getting a lifestyle which they will pass on that lifestyle to the next generation. Now, interestingly, and we we're going to come back to this word again. We need a communication because. You know, my role as part of what I'm doing is speaking to all the, the siblings. And I speak to the siblings not with their spouses, just I speak to the siblings by themselves. And each of the other four siblings is absolutely fine with uh, the one that's getting the farm to keep to keep running. They're absolutely fine with, with that. Um, they realise mum and dad don't have anything else to sort of hand out to the four of them. They're happy that you know, the brother is getting the farm and uh, it's going to stay in the family. They can always go visit and, and it's still sort of home. They can take themselves, they can take their, their own children there and it's it's the family farm, so to speak, except one mm. is, uh, is going to get it. But the, the, the interesting thing is that it's, it's never usually the siblings that have a blue over this sort of stuff. You know, the story I got today in a meeting was that, um, you know, when the family all got together and had this conversation about what was happening all the, and all the daughters-in-law and sons-in-law were there um everybody just went yeah 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 we understand that's fine and of course you know five beers later and uh and, and you know two of the daughters-in-law are stuck into the the son that's going to get the property to a point where the son's in in tears they're telling him you know what a mongrel he is for for you know not sharing the wealth of the family with with, with yeah. his four siblings so you know, the point being, it's all about communication and how you deliver it. And, and once mm. again, the adage is you can't have these conversations in, in the family. You've, you've you've got to get Jack the Ripper like me into. Uh, oh, to... is that you? <laughs> I mean, that's where, yeah, <laughs> that's where I you really help in that situation, Mark, where where you've spoken before the um, the the um, parents even come to see us with you for example we have that initial discussion you've already had some initial conversations with the parents but also with the children separately and you know as as we know um things are said in that sort of um environment where people where people are, are, are whether they would otherwise be uncomfortable saying it with in front of parents or other siblings so you're able to get yeah. some really um honest thoughts and feedback which uh, in some circumstances, the parents, uh, of course, subject to confidentiality, uh, sure. um, are surprised or not surprised by, but it certainly really helps that process. So um, the the family and the siblings and the in-laws don't all get on the beers and have that sort of argument, that, that, that example that you just gave, which is not good communication. That is not good communication. And the sad thing is that's, you know, if you don't sort this out now, once you're dead, uh, you know, the daughters-in-law, the sons-in-law are really going to kick up a stink and to the point where, you know, eventually one sibling will contest the will mm. because they're being badgered so much and and it just turns to dust and, and the kids never talk to each other. The, the cousin, you know, the saddest thing someone was telling me the other day was, uh, you know, their experience was that there was like 12, 14 cousins along, you know, the third, third generation down Mm. And the cousins don't talk to each other now because of what you know what what happened in uh, the lack of communication in in the estate planning of uh, you know the, the higher level parents. Mm. So, 
because it will certainly happen after after the the relevant person passes away and you know i guess those sort of examples we're giving and we're discussing covers both that that communication and conflict challenges that people you know have those barriers in their head um mark what about the situation where you know i I just gave the example where you often speak to families um right up front as part of that process how how might it work if if the 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 fight after five bees has already happened you know have you been in a situation where you come in at that stage and how does that unravel yeah look absolutely uh uh, you don't have to wait for people to die for the for the blue to start uh the squabbles squabbles can start very early in the piece and Mm -hmm. uh you know whilst i can joke about this now you know the last book i wrote was don't be like harry meaning you know this is the stuff you need to sort out before you marry before your kids start getting married and uh Mm -hmm. So, and you so get a Megan, a Megan Markle. Before Megan turns out, well, <laughs> or whoever she may be. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's all very well for parents to sit there and think, well, you know, I'll get to this one day, you know, when I'm thinking of retiring or, or you know, when I think I'm about to die, I'll, I'll start to do my estate planning and I'll succession planning and I'll talk to the kids about it now. But, I mean, the, the point is you've, you've got to get in early, you've got to get in young before everyone starts getting married and, and make sure that the family, and once again, through someone like me, a facilitator talking to the kids, make sure everyone in the family understands why dad and mum are doing something in a certain mm. way. So that mm. then when they get married, it, it's all really clear and the child can then have the conversation with their new spouse and say, well, you know, it's always been this way. We, we you know, we grew up knowing this, how it was, how it was going to happen. Mm. And, um, and the certainty, and you know, why people squabble is the lack of, certainty and the surprise so that you know when someone goes you know it's like well i wasn't expecting that bugger i want you know i need money so we'll contest the will getting back to your question yeah many times um as i say while everyone's still alive the uh uh the blue starts you know kids are uncertain about what their future is or or and through once again lack of communication no one knows what's going to happen what's going to go on and and all of a sudden the the kids are all fighting and uh what I, what I have is a gratitude conversation these days with uh, siblings. Um, anyone turns up with entitlement or an expectation, they need to kick up the backside. Um, you know, that's when I'll tell the parents to just sell the freaking lot and uh, and go. No, I wasn't going to say that. Uh, sell the, <laughs> sell the lot. I nearly did. <laughs> sell the lot and go and live on the Gold Coast. You know, like mm. um, you know, if 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 all the kids are out there. Uh, with an, with an entitlement attitude or an expectation that this is what we're going to get and, and you know, we all should get a couple of million each or we're going to, going to argue about this. The best way to deal with this, and I tell the parents up front, I say, sell it. You know, you're going to take all the aggravation out of this. You know what? This is your money. You earned it. You deserved it. You deserve to have a good life. You know, you know don't, don't be busting a boiler and living in poverty for the rest of your life to give it to people who are your children, but don't give it to people who have no uh, gratitude uh, for what you're doing. Mm. Today, I, today I actually spoke with three, uh, three siblings from one family. And, you know, it was, ab- it was an absolute delight because every one of the three children, uh, you know, getting back to the same family of five, every one of them said, you know what, we're really happy for our brother to uh, end up in the fam- uh, the farm to keep it in the family. And, and, you know, we don't want anything. We just want mum and dad to live comfortably. And, uh, um, you know, if, if the son who's going to get the farm should give any money to anyone, it should be to mum and dad because they've put us all through school. And I, 
And seriously, wow. it's like, That's refreshing. Wow, what, a, what a lovely family. And I, I, uh, I was just so, mm -hmm. um, it, it was so nice to speak with uh, with a family where there was a gratitude uh, yes. uh, in, environment, not a not an expectation. What am I going to get out of this? I mean, I, I get really turned off pretty quickly when people turn up and uh, when kids turn up and say, "Well," or, or sons or daughters-in-law, see, covered it the right way, uh, turn up and and um, and basically say, "Well, what's in it for me?" Uh, mm. It has to be a gratitude conversation, and I make that very clear to the. Uh, to the children, to the siblings, and I say, today I'm here to talk about uh, the gratitude conversation, and that is if your mum and dad, when they finally go, if they've got any money left and, you know, they've had a great life, um, you know, what what could they do that would uh, would endear the greatest gratitude in you? And, mm. and I just try and get that mindset going rather than, you know, hey, what do you want when mum and dad dies? That's, yeah, that's right, wording a little bit differently, and it reminds me of a... Um, a, a phrase that uh, we heard from a client we, we both met with recently and it was um, aspiration, not expectation. Ooh, so I like, I'm going to write that down. Can you send me that? Yeah, <laughs> so it really struck with me because um, you know, that, that came from, uh, which is great, came from one of the children, um, if I yep. recall, and it, 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 yep. it was that, that that child did not have an expectation but certainly had aspirations to um move into the family business so that was that was a really um a great phrase i thought and often it's it's just showing that gratitude that can go a huge way because i think a lot of parents um are disappointed or a little bit um put off kilter when there's just not even a thank you or an acknowledgement or we appreciate it and you know, just those couple of little words can go such a long way into changing people's mindsets and relationships, I think. Yeah, look, look absolutely. Um, you know, gratitude and aspiration. And that's what that's what it should be for the for the kids that are going to get the opportunity to take over an asset, whether it's a farm or a business or whatever. You know, they come home from school, they make the decision that they want to stay on the land and they aspire to have the opportunity to, to run it. And, you know, the truth is most of them would pay for that. Most of them aren't sitting there going, you know, when am I going to get it? Mm. Um, I think the best thing that parents can do is 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 talk in regard to, look, we're going to let you buy in over a number of years and uh, and, and so on. And, and, and that also, um, you know, if one child's buying in, stops the arguments when the other three or four or five kids turn up afterwards. Uh, you know, if, if, if Johnny, who's, who's, who's aspiring to take over the farm, has actually bought in over a period of time, and for a lot of kids, that's done on the basis that they're uh, they're underpaid for so many years. You know, I've so many examples of people who've been on the farm 30, 40 years and been paid a pittance. You know, like um, yeah. you know, one client last last week, I think, or the week no, last week, uh, and they're being paid thirty thousand dollars a year and have been for the last fifteen years. And I said, I said, wow, well, he's got, you know, he's. Uh, He's actually got a, a share in the business already because you've been underpaying him for so long. And they looked at me and went, what, $30,000? That's a lot of money. Mm. Well, you know, on the open market, he could be working for the mines for 150 or 200. So, mm. you know, that's another way to, um, to help, you know, to help someone invest, I guess, in their participation in, yeah, participation yeah. in the future. But, yeah. Um, I guess so, uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left, but, the, you know, the final obstacle you mentioned, protectable um, concern, a protection of prosperity, you know, my thoughts uh, with that is that you can't 
um, protect your assets and your future prosperity unless unless you do something about it. So just yep. taking that step to do something and and get the right advice is uh, is, is going to address yeah. that, that concern. I know I talk too much sometimes, but if I if I can cut in here because many times people think the right thing to do also is to start gifting stuff to their children before they die, which you know in in essence is a good plan. You know you start. You know, why wait till you die before you start, you know, giving your, your kids an advantage uh, in life? And so, but, you know, the danger, as you all point out, is danger between gifting and uh, setting up loan structures for those kids just in case, because that's how they're, that's the only way you're going to protect assets that you give to your children, if there's a matrimony or other things, is uh, by your yeah. loaning, correct? You want to just quickly touch on that? Yeah, that well, the, the you know, in basic terms, the difference is if you, were to gift something to a child and that child later um, experiences some financial difficulty, might get into a bankruptcy Bankrupt. situation due to their business, might be sued, uh, might be in a relationship breakdown. Um, if you have gifted that money, then then that could either disappear totally or can um, form part of a pool that's exposed to those sort of um, issues. Yeah. But the difference being if, if that gift is well if if that transaction is documented as a loan which may be um you know non-repayable until a later time on demand may have no interest then just the the simple fact that it's documented um and uh, and some parameters have been set around that uh, obviously not just documented but the right things in the document um can stop that situation happening and if the child then experiences financial difficulties or relationship issues that money can be brought back into the family so it's hugely mm. important yeah don't just don't just give things to your kids take some advice before you do so mm. Juanita as you you actually did really well today you had no idea what the topic was today <laughs> and for you I know that's difficult you like to re research before we get going so so, uh, but no, look, very worthwhile conversation. I just thought it was worthwhile doing something free-flowing without uh, using a framework because all those things sort of came to mind in the talk I, I did at Gundawindi last week. So um, they were, uh, they, you know, they're topical issues. So, so yeah, thank well, you. Yeah, hopefully all our friends in Gundawindi are watching. That's right, and and more. <laughs> anyway, till next week. We'll see you next week when hopefully I'm back in a uh, chair somewhere. <laughs> okay, see you, Anita. Thanks Bye, again. Bye, Bye.